0: Listening to Stamen A Space Oddity. Written and narrated by Kit Fennessy. Episode seven.
1: Top Priority Confidential. 22nd, February, to to, to to Attention, General Y, World Space Headquarters, Houston, Etat-Uni, Earth. Topic, Rogue Transmission Report, Response Backgrounding and Update. General... Further to yesterday's transmission, find below further background on the anomaly believed to be associated with the rogue transmission received yesterday. This section involves stellar research. You may or may not be aware of the towers of ice in Saturn's rings. Please find an image attached with this report. For your reference. As you will see from the photograph taken by a narrow angled camera on a passing craft, the image captures a 1,200 kilometer length of the outer edge of B ring. You will plainly observe the vertical structures at the top of the shot that look somewhat like. The salt crust on the edge of a margarita glass, or so I have been informed. These crystals tower up to 2.5 kilometers in height over the plane rings. This is a significant deviation from the usual thickness of the main A, B, and C rings, which are, in general terms, 10 meters thick at any given position of measurement. A recent theory, borne out by the complex mathematical modelling available to us, proposes that the rings of Saturn are relatively new, created hundreds of millions of years ago, as opposed to the billions and billions of years that are involved in planetary formation. The theory proposes that two of Saturn's original moons collided. Their smashing then produced the space debris from which the rings of Saturn have subsequently formed. Their creation would, in a nutshell, have been a spectacular show for the dinosaurs of Earth if they had had powerful enough telescopes. Ha! 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 This image, and others like it, can only be captured during Saturn's equinox. This occurs on every half-Saturn year, which, in our earthly terms, is once every 15 Earth years. The equinox lowers the Sun's angle to the ring plane and causes structures jutting out to cast long shadows across the rings. It was while investigating these shards using close-flying exploratory vehicles that the anomaly was first discovered. The anomaly, as indicated by its name, was just that. Extremely unusual. It resisted telemetry, X-ray and sub-gravitational probing. Our readings determined that the object was actively counteracting probe signals. A straight visual photograph revealed nothing, well, nearly nothing, as the anomaly not only clung to the ice shards but was camouflaged against it. My comment, nearly nothing, refers to its evasive techniques. These very techniques were its undoing. They have allowed us to establish a pattern, and hence a size of the object. It is approximately 12 kilometres in length and around 300 metres in diameter. It is a tube-like structure moving under cover of the revolving shards of ice, maintaining camouflage while always staying on the earth-oriented side of the ring. This object has been "'directed towards Earth for some time. "'I personally ordered a probe to be sent to land on the anomaly "'to bring back a sample. "'The probe was launched over one week ago "'and should have made contact on the 20th day of this month, "'at which point all of its signals went down and it ceased transmission. "'In effect, it disappeared entirely.' We, however, did not stop transmitting to it. We sent it questions, including, Who are you? Shortly after the disappearance of the vehicle, the rogue transmission in reply, discussed in our last missive, was received. We now have a second probe in play, approaching the anomaly this time with our best cloaking technology. A team of human scientists has also been assembled and are, at this very moment, on their way to consult with us at the hypothalamus. We have included an AI intuitive within the team whom we hope will be able to meld with our probe and commune with the anomaly directly should it be truly intelligent. We shall keep you, as always, apprised of further developments. Dr. Gleichman, Hypothalamus Project, Lunar Base Seventeen.
0: Well, you'd have to admit, it was a noble plan, soundly formed. You'll remember it, surely, and would have approved. All we need to do is find somewhere with tankards of ale and a revolving dance floor. I think I'm going to need a whip to get us out of this one too. But, as they say in the classics, the best laid plans of mice and men are gang aft agley. There was a blind man walking along the causeway behind us as I space-hopped on my hands and stumps. He was tapping his cane, filling his way along and holding a tracing wire, walking in a straight line past the walkways, benches and indoor plants. Kind of shuffling with no bounce. his head held low. Not that I noticed any of that going on. I only know this because I saw it later on replay. As Frida and I turned to find Frere Jacques, I was distracted enough not to notice the blind man. I wouldn't have noticed him in any way, shape or form. And that's because, instead of Jacques or the blind man, we ran into a veritable force of nature. A force of nature in female form that also turned out to be a killer. Thank heavens. My attention was arrested by her appearance at once, and anyone who wasn't looking at her was only pretending not to notice. She was a magnet for the eyes. Her hair was cut short, like a cage fighter's. She was thin and muscular, dressed almost all in black, a black that matched her obsidian skin. And she topped the outfit off with blacker-than-black sunglasses, that I suspected were probably Vizzy's screens. As one highlight, however, she did wear a cropped bright orange shirt, which revealed a muscular midriff, the addition of the luminescent color to her clothing reflecting off her complexion. This enigmatic woman scanned the terminal, her sunglasses immutable though she'd clearly clocked me and my raven-haired companion, Freda. We weren't very hard to spot. I guess, if she'd been given a description of us, they might have said, look for a guy with a beard, tattoos, and no legs. But I'm only guessing. So, basically, I saw her, she saw us, and the guy with the cane behind me, he flicked it up at that very moment and ran at me, with it held like a spear. When I first saw this strange woman, she was stuck still, her arms crossed over her chest, as she leant back against a terminal wall at Ellipsis' lunar spaceport, her foot up on the stone behind her. But when she moved, she moved like a ballet dancer on the kill. She pushed herself off the wall fast. As she came at me, I flinched and ducked, thinking she was heading for me. Twisting, however, I saw her streak right past by me. Instead, she hit the blind man with the cane. A strong knock of her leather-clad arm sent the stick tumbling away. However, she caught him up as she went through, and they kept moving as a duo, careening into a large window across the terminal hall. I heard an audible crash, then a disturbing wobble. They'd smashed, struggling, into the hermetically sealed plate that looked out onto the moon port below. She used a fast elbow, smashing a bent arm into his face three times. The eye, the cheekbone, the chin. Then she grabbed his body between her legs as they floated. Secured, She twisted his head round till the neck cracked with an audible pop. It was done deftly, quickly, professionally. No one else seemed to notice, however. With the outbreak of panic at the departure gates on the other side of the lunar port, the brief commotion hardly made a ripple. Our strange new friend tossed my would-be assailant's body behind some plastic pot plants like a bag of trash then floated towards us like an apparition of athena the goddess of war on easy low gravity steps collecting the blind man's cane as she came Gordon Ewell Hansen, Frida Fowlman. She spoke as cool as eyes, as though nothing had just happened. I'm your Ellipsis security contact. Come with me right now. But you just killed someone. Ah, don't worry about that. Secure account will pick him up, she said dismissively. But we're here with someone else who's organizing our luggage and transfers, Frida said. We haven't got time for this the warrior said, holding up the cane and showing me its tip. There was a hypodermic needle extended from it that shone under the light. There was a clear drop of fluid clearly oozing from its venomous fang. Our new sunglassed friend said, "'We need to get you to safety fast.' "'You don't say,' Frida replied, planting her heels and determinedly not going anywhere." How do we know you're not with this blind mugger you've just been beating up? I mean, this could be a frame-up, Gordon. Can we see some ID? I asked. With an impatient exhalation, our new friend held up an ID screen. It had a hologram of her face, a shield, and her name written in a bright font that looked like green fire. It read, Summer Charlize. Uh, boudoir. Trust me, you two. You're walking into a hornet's nest. I'm your only hope, Summer said. Why would anyone want to harm us? Frida asked. It's just... Look, it's just something, all right? Summer brushed a hand back over her shorn head in frustration at our reticence. It's coming from inside the organization. Working for Ellipsis... It isn't like any normal place. It's huge, okay? Frida and I looked at each other uncertainly. Are you telling us there's a war inside Mark Seven's empire? I said. She rolled her eyes and pulled her sunglasses off, me catching a glimpse of the lenses as she held them. I was right. Those glasses had been visi screens. That guy, Summer said pointing at the pot plants where some automatons were already loading the cadaver into a grate. He didn't want to kill you. He wanted to take you hostage. I don't know what's in that injection, but I'll bet it's non-lethal. Something big is up. Someone wants to stop the two of you, because you're going to interfere with their plans. Somehow. Frida tapped my shoulder at this juncture, and pointed at Jacques, who was walking towards us, waving our passes.
1: The transports are on the way!
0: checked himself, catching the diorama of the two of us talking to our new associate. Hmm. Bonjour madame. Et comment ça va? Have you met Jacques? I asked. Let me introduce one of our friends, Ellipsis Employee of the Month. Jacques, this is Summer. She's our security detail, allegedly. Sent by Mark 7 himself. It appears we're in some personal danger. Take a tip from me, Jacques. Don't upset her. Uh, Summer, meanwhile, uh, this is Monsieur Jacques-Francois. He is our host. Quoi? Mais non. We're going to have to say au revoir à votre petite amie. Summer grabbed Jacques by the lapels of his jacket and shoved her ID straight into his face. Listen, buster... I don't know who you are, but I'm in charge of these two now, she said. Wherever they go, let me tell you something. Summer is a comin'. To tell you the truth, I don't know who was more thrilled, me or Jacques. But of course, neither of us knew about the Viper in our midst. been listening to Stamen, a space oddity. For more information, visit kitfennessy.com